0: Love. When young and thoughtless Laura said, no one shall win my heart, but little dreamt the simple maid of love's delusive art. At ball or play, she flirt away and ever giddy be, but always said, I ne'er will wed. No one shall govern me, No. No one shall govern me. That, of course, is the Regency era banger. No <laughs> one shall govern me for episode 21, season four of Reverend Love. Now, this song is actually interesting because it's a cautionary song about why you shouldn't become an old maid. But then it's like they still felt the need to write this song.
1: <laughs> right? Right? right. Anyway, hi, Julie. Hello, Renee. We are reading Regency this week, which. I'm dead. Um, has recently been sort of thrust back into the spotlight thanks to the success of Bridgerton um which yeah. has and all the
0: they're like remaking the Jane Austen yeah things again we have got Emma we've got
1: persuasion uh, is persuasion persuasion's yeah. the one that just dropped on Netflix apparently it's trash have you seen it I did and I liked it oh you did interesting okay and I did I very famously and I say famously amongst my friend group, cannot get through a Jane Austen book and then a few years ago one of my friends suggested that I look at it differently and she said I don't like reading Jane Austen but I love Jane Austen adaptations and it's just really good fodder for great movies and miniseries and stuff and she's right like Pride and Prejudice with like Emma Thompson and like Hugh Grant and stuff delightful Kate Winslet delightful um And so, yeah, if you look at it from that perspective, I'm like, oh yeah, I can handle some Jane Austen. Um, But every time I've tried to read it, I'm like, goddamn, I find it so boring. But kudos to people, (laughs) launching back into it. I don't know what it says about our culture right now, that musically, we're all about celebratory music. Lizzo put out a dance album, Beyonce, Drake, Mm -hmm. like everyone's putting out dance music, party music, but that like movie wise it's all superheroes or like historical <laughs> stuff I don't know a romance like we're vi- the culture is very into romance right now we really got in on the ground floor <laughs> of people we being really super into romance because mm-hmm. yeah I mean but hey whatever people enjoy and maybe it's be- for the same reason we're into dance music because people love the like it's frivolous and in a good way and I think people need levity right now. And romance is generally sure. pretty lighthearted. That's kind of the point. Um, so maybe that's why we're in a cultural moment right now where people are like, between COVID and monkeypox. And I think there's a case of polio in the US again. Like, I'm just like, I think people are Ugh. just like, let's go back to a simpler time. i like, when we all died of these things, they're like, don't bring truth into this, Julie. <laughs> just <laughs> let us watch heaving bosoms in corsets and men like, making us long for them i'm like sure fine whatever
0: (laughs) you know i I, i've been my, my life has been hit with a tremendous amount of tragedy that i can't really respond to because i have no feelings lately but i was very touched that beyonce named her new album after me um i thought that was just like such a gift really i mean
1: you talk about a benevolent spirit you'll never find any more 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 benevolent than billionaire beyonce Knowles.
0: (laughs) exactly she didn't have to call it the renee alba but she did and um i hope you feel like i'm glad you feel seen renee you should i really do i really do uh for those of you wondering renee means renaissance um also for those of
1: you that don't know Renee and I saw Beyonce together. Oh, yeah, we
0: did floor
1: seats in Edmonton at the what was the name? What's the name of that stadium?
0: Uh Commonwealth Stadium.
1: It's an outdoor stadium in May. It was legit snowing. It was so fucking cold, but we committed to it. What I appreciated was other people in the audience who committed to the bit. And refused to change their outfits. That they had clearly <laughs> planned, expecting it to be warmer. But we were blown away. We were freezing yeah. our asses off. We were soaked yeah. because it was like that like wet, thick snow that just like melts instantly on you. And we
0: were mesmerized for two hours. The woman is she a queen. didn't She didn't slip. No. She didn't, nothing. She didn't even waver in her singing. Like, it was live she crushed it i can't believe she didn't slip like i looked at her shoes and i broke my ankle like <laughs> and it was, she was so fine. slippery and like literally
1: quietly without us and even like again because we we're so close to the stage amazing humble brag <laughs> so um we saw it but like quietly these dudes came out and just put like heaters on stage to blow <laughs> warm air at her like that's how fucking cold it was people and she just didn't miss a goddamn beat at one point she was wearing gloves she was wearing like nothing but a bodysuit,
0: but had <laughs> gloves
1: because i guess her hands were cold holding the microphone and i was like get it queen what a professional um, remember the
0: part where they like handed out de-icer to the crowd and they <laughs> threw it no that, i made that up but imagine They're just like we love you they throw it like that blue de-icer on the on the walkway <laughs>
1: It was a delight. And so I'm glad that Beyonce has dropped. And then, inc- as far as I'm concerned, probably her best album um, celebratory. Lizzo's new album is also super celebratory. And yeah, people are in the mood for a little whimsy, a little romance. And so we didn't think of the culture when we chose Regency. We just thought, <laughs> hey, it's been a minute. Let's pick that. And I'm gl- glad we did because
0: I really okay. like my book. Okay, well, I want to hear. Can I tell tell you one thing, though, before we go on that I figured out? Yeah. So I knew I wanted to pick like something that like a song from the Regency era for the beginning of the show today. And did you know that during Jane Austen's day, because she was so poor for so long, Mm -hmm. she couldn't afford sheet music, but she was a musician. She could play the piano forte and she was a singer. And so she would hand copy sheet music. Um, And she kept books of them, and they've published those books. So you can literally get albums and the sheet music that she wrote for songs that she would have been playing in her like salons and things at the readings for her stories. And there was one... like academic group and what they did was they paired some of those songs with some of her novels and so they did a reading with the music paired to it it's really cool um could not find any like spicy lyrics Mm, for this but um there's like a whole section of academia that's like holy shit she liked music and they're all like fucking horny for it and i (laughs) You can go listen to the album. It's called like the Jane Austen songbook. And it's pretty cool. That is very cool. cool. Thank you for that. I had no idea. Yeah. So if anybody wants to like tune into the stuff that we're reading right now yeah. <laughs> and 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 put on some music, my favorite from the Jane Austen collection is called queen mary's lamentation and the second verse says above though oppressed by my fate i burn with contempt for my foes whoa yeah though fortune has altered my state she ne'er can subdue me to those what like that's thug regency music from jane austen pals
1: i love this thank you as someone who's trying to warm up to jane austen to work myself to finally reading one of her books and finishing it thank you for this motivation maybe i'll just get those bangers to play in the background it'll really motivate me to sink my teeth into sense and sensibility or pride and prejudice or persuasion or mansfield park at this point i <laughs> i gotta just i gotta just pick try, one. like
0: pride and prejudice and zombies is a really fun read and i then there's sense and sensibility and sea monsters also fun it's literally the book beat for beat but they include some sea monsters or zombies and it's a lot of fun
1: maybe that's how i'll do it thank you renee I think you should. it's the training so wheels welcome. that i need to really launch myself into jane austen mm-hmm. or i could continue on the path i'm on from the book i read this week because it definitely whet my appetite for it got i could feel the like oh i get the appeal of jane austen it's witty banter it's like snobbery but also like flirting across a dance floor like it's all very i'm like i i could probably get into this so who i read this week was martha waters and i read her book to love and to loathe and she's the american author of three soon to be four uh romance novels that are all in this sort of rom-com genre if you will uh what i love about martha waters is that currently she's a children's librarian
0: Aww. love that
1: in the state of maine very cool uh and this particular book is fresh to death so it came out in 2021 oh okay and it has a very typical sort of rom-com cover but they're two regency regency-dressed people in a picture frame so it's 1812 and diana Bourne is on a mission to beg a rich man so both of her parents died Her and her brother are kind of on their own. She knows, just like a modern Puck Bunny, for example, would know that riding the coattails of a hockey player is how you get yourself out of poverty in a small town. (laughs) She's like, I gotta just marry myself a rich man. That's it. I don't really give a shit about love. Don't really think it's real, but I gotta find me a rich man. And she is at a party where she runs into the cheeky Lord Willingham. Who is a marquis? Is that what it's called? Like a marquess? Yeah, a yeah he's a marquis, And he loves a um loves to be cheeky, loves to be flirty. In French, we would say like Agisab. Like just like kind of a bratty dude who likes to get a rise out of people, but she's like, oh fuck, he's hot though. God damn, he's hot. But he's just a little brat. And so they have this like very witty banter back and forth i mean right away you're like obviously this is who ends up together this is a classic enemies to lovers situation and you would not be wrong but some great juicy plot twists so then it forwards five years she ended up marrying this old like old he was like 40 and she was 20. um this old man who was like nice to her but wasn't particularly interested in her in any way shape or form and then motherfucker just died so she was like I what an asshole. No, but she was like I kind of lucked out. Like I married a guy for money. He was not unkind to me. He let me pursue my passions for painting and that sort of thing. Kind of left me alone. And now I can be I have power in the world because I have a title. I was married. I'm a widow um i have more freedom in the world because i've been attached to a man and now i there's no real script on what to do when you're like a 20 year old widow so she's like i can go back to being like the biggest flirt at every ball and i can paint and i can do whatever the fuck i want because i got staff i got money life is good for me nice and she then decides okay there's like a designated mourning period where you have to sort of be you know, cloistered at home and like da 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 But that time has passed. She's allowed to be out in the streets again. So she's at a ball. And who does she run into? Ye olde Marquis Willingham, who is as dashing as ever, maintains his bachelorhood. The real George Clooney of the Regency world. (laughs) And she's like, you're never going to settle down, are you? And he's like, who knows? And she's like, I know. I'll make you a bet. You get married by the end of this year and I'll give you 100 pounds. And he's like, well, I'll take your 100 pounds because I'm not going to get married. Um, And she's like, deal? And he's like, deal. And then later on at the end of the night, he kind of pulls her aside privately and says, okay, I have my own proposal. Um, You need to kind of kickstart your dating life again. You got to put yourself back out there. But the best way to put yourself out there in this world of bougie Regency folks is like a little bit of hot gossip, a little bit of spilled tea. So... I'm a known whore. Everyone knows it. I sleep with everyone. I love it. I'm nice to these women. I'm respectful. But like, you're married. You're not married. I don't give a shit. I fuck whoever I want to fuck. So how about we bang it out kind of quietly, but not really. I will be able to bang it out with you. And you will be able to get laid, but also kind of build a little intrigue about yourself. So other men will be like, oh, really? She's a widow, but she is mighty pretty. And then that'll kind of help you jumpstart your social life. And she's like, okay, cool. But like, really what's in it for you? You can bang whoever you want, whenever you want. And he was like, all right, let's just, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, uh, I was sleeping with this woman. Things were going well. And, um, and then I told her, you know what? Like it's kind of run its course. And she freaked out. And she's like, you know what? You are a bad fucking lay anyway. You're terrible in bed. And he's like, I know she just said that to hurt my feelings, but I can't get that voice out of my head. So let's bang it out. You can give me like a Yelp review. Let me know how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Let me know if I really am terrible in bed or if she just, you know, was trying to hurt my feelings. And then you can also jumpstart your social life. Kind of a win-win situation. Basically a Regency era friends with benefits situation.
0: <laughs>
1: and she's like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then was like, no, I can't. And I will. So she comes back to him and says, I accept your proposal, but there's three conditions. One, one. We have to be pretty discreet, like tell men in your life that you think I might be interested in 100%, but I don't want all the maids and all of my friends yapping about it. I don't plan to tell my friends. So he's like, okay, two, you're hosting a week long celebration at your house this summer. That's when we'll have our little, little agreement, but only for the duration of that week. And then when it's done, I'm going to move on with my life. You can move on with yours. He's like, oh, perfect. And then three, you don't get to ask me any questions. And then there's this beautiful moment where he says, well, what the fuck do you mean? And she's like, I don't want you to ask me any questions. And he's like, well, I only do things with people consensually. So I'm going to need to ask you questions to make sure that you're into it, that I'm doing right. And again, I'm asking you to give me a critique. So I need to ask if I'm doing well. She's like, you know what? You're right. You can ask me questions related to consent but I don't want you to ask me anything about my past. I don't want you to ask me anything else about anything. We're just here to bang out. And he's like, okay, I accept your conditions, but that's the kind of weird ones. So that's what they decide to do. This week long, just taking it to pound town for a week. Meanwhile, because it's this fancy party that he has, his grandmother comes and she's really into Diana and thinks like, oh, you might be a good pairing for my a grandson. And she's like, oh, no, no extremely interested and in fact i have a bet going that i'm going to get him shacked up with someone else instead and grandmother's like "Ooh, i like this she's also kind of like a little cheeky says bold says whatever the fuck she wants best kind of old woman so then Love she it. ends up being like hey lady helen she's here this week why not her and everyone her own age is like uh because lady helen is fucking annoying and overbearing and shrill and yeah she's real hot but like she comes on so strong and is so obnoxious that like nobody would ever want to fucking marry this woman so she spends the duration of the week trying to get lady helen and willingham together and lady <laughs> helen is fucking about that life like she's like yes i'm gonna bag me this rich ass man and the Marquis is like very clearly not interested in her and then diana starts to realize like oh he didn't just fuck indiscriminately he did actually care about these women he did actually need to have a connection with them in order to fuck them that's interesting but still gotta get them together um then they have they finally hook up and again you have this script this understanding of where you think this is gonna go and this is what I loved about this book so much is I assumed perhaps naively I assumed that this guy was gonna hop in bed with her and he was gonna turn out to be fucking spectacular from the jump and she was gonna be like yeah you know what like she was just being mean but no, Renee, He's an incredible kisser. So the first night she's like, oh yeah, this is going to go well. And then they kind of get interrupted. So he leaves and he's like, don't worry, I'll come back tomorrow. And she's like all fucking thirsty all day long. Like, oh my God, these kisses swept me away. Then the next day he comes and he starts like fingering her and she stops him and is like, what are you doing? <laughs> <And> he's like, <laughs> I'm giving you pleasure. And she's like, no, you're not. And then, like, proceeds to teach him how to be good in bed. And it was, like, very sweet. And and it was still, like, a topping from the bottom situation. Like, it's not like she went, like, full dummy or something. But it was actually, like, very hot. But, like, this very sweet thing of her being, like, this is actually what you need to do. And then basically says to him, dude, you've never actually gotten honest feedback from a woman because you're a marquee who are who's sleeping with women who inherently have less power than you these women are not gonna fucking tell you the truth they're faking it and maybe you're not like you're not hurting them so maybe for them they're like wow this is what it means to actually be with a man who like cares about you but like these women aren't aware of orgasms or they're not aware that they can ask for more but there's this like really beautiful moment where she's trying to explain to him like dude you've been walking around with blinders on thinking you're getting like you know thinking you hit a home run but you were born on third base kind of a situation like <laughs> i have no reason to shield your feelings because i'm not trying to get anything out of you so i'm here to tell you like your heart's in the right place but like you don't know what the fuck you're doing with your hands so like take a beat so i thought i love that anyway, and it's very hot yeah. it's very spicy then they have all this fucking that they do all week long and obviously they're obviously falling for each other Da 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 so here's the plot twist She's trying to push her to marry Lady Helen, even though she's fucking obnoxious and everyone hates this woman, but she's hot and she's single. So she's like, I got to get him to get it with Lady Helen. Of course, she's in denial about her own feelings for him. She's like, yeah, no, no. It's just like, we bang. It's fine. Like, I don't care. I just like really want him to be Lady Helen. Well, doesn't the Marquis go up to the hallway one day and goes to basically proposition Lady Helen and be like, look, people think we should at least go on a date. Do you want to go for a stroll or some shit? Walks by her bedroom. Sees the door slightly ajar. He's like, huh. Peeks inside. She's being fucked by the maid. She is fucking the maid. So he's like, oh my God, Lady Helen is a lesbian. But then why the fuck has she been all over me? Then, because spilled tea is spilled tea. Long story, but the maid basically kind of lets it go that like kind of lets it slip that like the other maid, lady Helen's maid kind of goes into her room every afternoon and lady Helen needs to take a nap and the maid isn't putting two and two together and is just thinking like wow this bitch is so fucking lazy that she has to take these 3 hour naps every afternoon and she's working her maid to the bone and as a maid I'm just so annoyed with this woman but then Diana's thinking oh my god she's taken a lover and she has her maid kind of stand watch so she is like okay well I gotta figure out who the fuck this lover is because I need them to hook up I need her to break that up because I need her she's like panicking so she confronts Lady Helen and Lady Helen fucking spills the beans not knowing like thinking that she was saying like oh she was fucking a man and your maid was watching and she's like oh my god I can't believe I just told you I was a lesbian for no reason you thought I was fucking some man I should have just let you believe that but no I'm in love with my maid and I have been forever um and da 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 and then she's like so then why are you pursuing him and there's this incredible explanation which I will read for you later so now oh. so now Diana's in a pickle she's like okay I have feelings for this dude, but I can't. I don't want to act on them because I don't want to lose my independence. I love being a widow. I never want to be married ever again, but also goddamn, I like him, but also I want to win this bet. And also I want him out of my hair because he's too tempting. So I need him to shack up with someone, but now he can't shock up with Lady Helen. Oh no, what do I do? And so then that night, ye old Marquis comes to fucking get his and they... He She goes to blow him, which blows his mind. Because, again, it's fucking 1812. <laughs> People are like, <laughs> BJ's? Guess ce And then he's like, "I this is too hot and I can't. I have to have a conversation with you. And he's like, I'm proposing to Lady Helen. And she's like, oh, my God, what? Uh, Well, I'm here to tell you, you shouldn't propose to Lady Helen because she's a lesbian. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> and she's like, well, then what the fuck are you proposing to her? He's like, because it's a perfect situation. I could marry her. Then knowing she doesn't want to fuck me, she can bring her maid with her. They can have their little fucking thing. And I can keep having my thing on the side. And we're both, it's a marriage of convenience. Seems perfect to me. And Diana gets furious and she's like, how fucking dare you try to decide this woman's fate for her. And what you're just going to have like women on the side, like fucking grow up. And then they have this big blow up. And he's like, I meant you, you and I could be together. And she could get, Free and be who with who who she wants to be with, Aww. and then Diana's like, "I'm not going to be your fucking side salad." And he's like, well "Then why did you tell me you were so opposed to marriage?" And she's like, "Oh, stomp, stomp, stomp," and they leave. <laughs> <laughs> and then they basically go back and have a conversation where she says look you fucking son of a bitch I fell in love with you you piece of shit I didn't want to but I fucking did you and your goddamn BDE sucked me in so I'm here to tell you yeah it hurt my feelings that you're gonna marry Lady Helen and he's like oh yeah no I've abandoned that pursuit let's get married I love you oh and I built you this art gallery um so that you can just come here and make your art all day long and just keep being a sassy bitch. I love that you clap back at me when I say things. I love that you're your own person. I love that you're smart and want to care about the world and shit. I never want to hold you down. Let's fucking do it, babe. And she's like, okay. Ah, yay. Yay. It's yeah. It was a delight. It was long. It's like 500 pages. So it's like you know, it it was a bit, yeah. Um, but sup- super, 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 super well written. Um, the banter, which again is like, this is why I know people love Jane Austen. Like, it was just like witty banter between them constantly, and like even the like gossipy bits about women and stuff. It didn't come across as like sexist. Like, oh, women are just like caddy in the corner. Like, it it contextualized the ways that women have to be passive aggressive because that's fucking survival, you know. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. spice it was spicy so i'm gonna give it because there was a lot of high tea nonsense um i'm gonna give it four out of five jalapeno cheddar scones (laughs) okay and for the accessory the sexual accoutrement i am going to put um strictly for the queer undertones but also the fact that this man had to learn how to please women um something that came across was my instagram ads which is called a grinding pad
0: have you heard of this this was in your instagram ads?
1: this was in my instagram ads which i think tells me a great deal about my life that the algorithm is like yes this woman will enjoy this so if people don't know a grinding pad is literally like it looks so innocuous. It's actually like would be perfect if you
0: lived with someone who didn't understand anything about anything, but you like, I know what it is. But if you Google it, it's like, it's like a, a tool for grinding metal. You- oh! <laughs> Not that my friends, it's literally like a little like hump,
1: I guess you could say that you was silicone that you could put like on the arm of your couch or on your chair. And you would just like, you just grind up against it to make yourself come. Um,
0: you're basically masturbating like a child again
1: yes basically you're doing that um because of course leave it to you to fucking sully every image i paint <laughs> well you you didn't learn how to
0: masturbate like that come 100%, on percent.
1: but the way you said it you like you can masturbate like a child um i'm not wrong Julie. you're not wrong at all it's why there's entire subsets of pornography which is just grown women humping teddy bears for that very reason um, so yes, that's what I'm going to give it for both the lesbian overtones and the fact that this man had to learn that like, that's what gets women off. Um, and so just like jabbing at their cervix, not doing it, not doing it at all. Uh, also this had no rhythm. Did the Lord's work. She really did. She really did. And also like educated him on a thing that more men need to understand, which is rhythm and speed are really everything. Um, so yeah, that was... To Love or To Loathe by Martha Waters. Mm. Now, where did you find this book? Was it recommended or? I think so. I think it was recommended. It was a Kobo book. Um, okay. So I had it as an e-reader version. And I think it was one of those Kobo things of like, since you read so much of this, you might be interested in that. And then it was like one of those mm. flash sales where it was like five bucks or something for this brand new book. And I thought, oh, it looks interesting. And yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad I picked it up because it's like the kind of regency that I love. Like it still had feminist consensual, like even like safe sex practices. Like they talk about that and like how he didn't have a French letter, which was like a condom back then. That's what they called it. So he like comes on her chest basically. And she's all like, Ooh. And he's like, well, I was trying to be conscientious. Like this whole thing is supposed to be for fun. So I didn't want to like saddle you with my baby and shit. And you're like, Look at this man. And they kept calling him a rake, which I forgot is like an old school like term for calling someone a slut. Um yeah. so they just kept calling him a rake, which I was like, we should bring that back. <laughs> I think we we got it. Right? Like I feel like ho, slut, whore, these things have been played out. Callershells rakes.
0: <laughs> I like I like how they used to call men gigolos.
1: Yes. <laughs> Shit like that. I'm
0: like, let's bring it back nothing stops rake it. isn't sex work but gigolo is which is why i feel like it's not appropriate in a general context if you're describing a slutty man yeah but you're right rake is perfect it's... because they'll be like like yard work yeah like yes yeah and like a hoe is
1: also a gardening instrument yeah. so like soon we'll move to shovel we'll just like
0: work wh- wh- wheelbarrow which is, this a sex is julie's p- way of of explaining that we're moving into um a gardening podcast <laughs> Except not at
1: all. You're the plant um, person in this relationship. But do tell us, Renee. I read To Love and To Loathe, a pretty straightforward, but still quite delightful Regency romance. <laughs> what did you get up to? And judging by the laughter, I'm excited. Okay.
0: <laughs> this one ticked all the boxes Oof. for me. <laughs> tell me I why. read <laughs> Mirror Monster on My Wall steamy reverse harem regency monster romance it it had everything it had a protagonist who's a woman of color she's autistic she has lovers from every every color of the genderqueer rainbow it had everything um you know as somebody on some spectrums this book gave me a tremendous amount of anxiety because unfortunately the protagonist endured a lot of abuse at the hands of, like, the human beings in her life, who were the real monsters in this story. So, Alice. Alice is a spinster. She's 25. She's living at home with her stepmother. Um, and she's as autistic as the day is long. This poor woman, sensory overload. She has, you know, no, she's nonverbal in a lot of cases. She has like scoliosis so she's also you know got a disability she you know struggles to sit still she struggles to sit up straight she struggles um with a speech impediment and her stepmother is just a cunt and just beats her up like anytime she does anything wrong she always says there's gonna be consequences there's gonna be consequences and it could be anything but more often than not it's her getting locked in her room now this has been going on her whole life This stepmother showed up when she was seven um, My favorite Fun fact about Alice is her hobbies And her hobbies include Making really scary dolls And I was like yeah, You're I like, get, can I can relate <laughs> 100% I can relate And so she hides them from her stepmother because her stepmother is like, you're old enough to be wearing dresses and you should not be having dolls and toys. So she hides them behind this giant mirror that she inherited from her former stepmother who died. Um, and so she hides these dolls, but these dolls are like horrific. Like they've got like pointy teeth and claws and they're like spooky dookie dolls, but she loves them, they're her best friend. She, she has no friends in the world. Now she grew up with this uh, guy called Matthew um, who went on to become a lord. And he was always like a piece of shit to her. Like he tried to like kick her cat a bunch of times and like hurt the cat. And so every time that like Alice would, you know, see Red and attack him for trying to hurt her cat, she would get hurt by her stepmother and by this Matthew guy. So now she's 25. Um, She makes it through the day by like, you know, sleeping with her doll. And then she has these, like, crazy sex dreams overnight. And um, in her sex dreams, there are four monsters. Um, and I'm just gonna let you know all their names and pronouns for the sake of the story. So, they're Silver, they, them, Glashden, A.M., Capri, Zem, and uh, then Alice and magpie who's the other monster are she her but the real monsters in this story Madame blanchard and lord hillborough um are she her, her. so uh a lot anyway so she's ha- lots to remember but you know what it, uh, it helped actually like in the orgy scenes where she and her reverse harem are all banging it out they didn't i i learned very quickly who was who because of their pronouns so yeah it worked out um i was like oh okay i know that this monster is the little one because of their zzm pronouns it worked out um so she has these sexy dreams um and it kind of helps her deal with her day-to-day trauma um but one day she gets up she goes to breakfast and her stepmom is like You're a disgrace with your curvy back and oh I don't know why it's happened, but Lord Hillborough um is going to ask to marry you and I agreed on your behalf. And she's like, fuck no. Like, (laughs) no no no, not happening. I'm not marrying this piece of shit. He's bullied me my whole life. She has like a scar on her face from him slapping her with a ring. She's like, not gonna happen. And then her stepmom's like, Yeah, it is. He's coming by tomorrow with his mother's wedding dress to be fitted, so um you're going to make it happen. You're going to get it changed. Like, but you know, you're fat. So of course we will have to take it out, whatever. So she's like distraught. She's in her room. She's crying. She gets locked in her room for like 24 hours and no food or whatever. And uh, so she goes back into like her dream world and she fucks all these monsters again. They're like, we love you so much. And it like helps her heal through her trauma. And the next day the guy shows up with like this comb and with this wedding dress and, She's a person of color um, and it, I it, I get the sense that nobody else is in this story. And so they're like constantly like pulling at her hair and like, you know, dragging her for like her body shape being voluptuous. And while she's putting this dress on, like they're, they're like, um, uh, like fitting it on her. So they keep sticking her with pins and they have this sharp comb in her head and like, As a woman with autism, she's, like, losing her damn mind because, like, that's bad for a, a neurotypical person to be stuck with pins all day, right? But she had to, like, stand for hours and get all these pins driven into her and, like, had people pulling her hair, blah, blah, blah. So she gets back to her room and, like, collapses. Like, they were shoving the comb in her hair so hard that, like, she was bleeding and so she gets blood on her hands and she, like, rubs it on the mirror and then... Uh, She wakes up and all her monster friends are in her bedroom. She's like, how did this happen? And they're like, look, like you are, you're very desperate for our help and for things to change and we can help you, but it has to be your decision. We can't tell you what it is you need to do, but like, here's some hints. It's going to involve a lot of blood. Uh, But like, let's, let's, let's just fuck it out. We'll figure it out. And so they have more sex. So she realizes that she's going to have to come up with a lot of blood in order to bring these monsters to her world to save her from this marriage that's coming up. Um, and what they do is they like leave her some really soft, like sensory, happy clothes. They're like, silky. And they leave her some food because she's been starving. And uh, they're like... You know, if you're desperate enough and you, you, you know, it enough, we'll be able to bring you over to the other side of the mirror with us and you can marry all of us and we'll be really happy together. But you have to want it enough to like commit murder, basically. So that's what she does. Julie, Whoa! Uh, Lord Holoborough or whatever, shows up and he's like, what are you wearing? Oh, that's not the dress I gave you. And she's like, oh, what's that now? And then she just stabs him to death and likes Spreads all his like blood all over the mirror, and then uh, the monsters show up and they're like, "You did it, baby!" And she's like, "I know I did." But then her stepmother's like, "Alice, what are you doing up there?" And she's like, "I guess we better jet." And they're like, "Hang on a sec." And the stepmother shows up and she's like, "What are these monsters doing here?" And she's like, "I'm sorry, don't let them hurt me." And so she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna let them hurt you." And then she does, and she's free and she goes away to her mirror world with all of her new partners and most happily ever after yeah and she gets to bring her cat oh Um, perfect yeah now this story was actually like immaculately written Mm. it was really well written it had like new words for genitals i hadn't read before that i thought were like pretty like regency appropriate like cunny Mm. for like cunt basically and stuff like that and i thought it was really cool and every single um like sex act was consensual and they also had big parts in each chapter for aftercare which i was like oh i was like that's awesome considering these are all monsters um Mm -hmm. but some of them have disabilities like one of them is deaf and like she is autistic and they have consensual like rough sex all together in a group and then all of them understanding her needs have like do a lot of aftercare after they're like hey well we actually can't continue because you need to drink some water you know they're like hey let's just take a break and we'll like snuggle it out and i was like that's really nice that's love this yeah now all these monsters were made of glass um they're like glass monsters Um, And they all had big claws and sharp teeth and like multiple eyes. Like they're horrifying the way that they're described. Um, But some of them were had had like top surgery and stuff, which they like point out. So this book was just like really short in that. And then because it was so short and they crammed so much representation in, it felt a little much, but I understand how if you're of, you know, a group that doesn't have representation in romance, how this book is really important, right? Like if you're a dis, if you have a disability or you're neurodivergent or you're a fat person or you're a person of color or, you know, or, or, or this book has everything. It's like, and you want to be railed by a monster. This book is for you. <laughs> and like, it was never hateful. And in fact, they even go through like her, she doesn't even have safe words. She has safe taps. So they never restrain her arms. So it's like one tap means like, I need you to slow down and take a break. Two is like, nas this has to stop right here, right now. And then three is like, keep going. I'm loving this. So it's like, they're able to communicate to all of them, even the one who's deaf, but all their needs. And I thought that was fun. And there was one that was like kind of aromantic. So they, Like to be touched sometimes and sometimes not, and then they like to touch and sometimes not to touch, and so they they just kind of included everybody. So this was just a really really inclusive book, and I thought that was really cool. It was kind of a lot to keep track of. I would have prefer I would have liked to have seen this be a longer, like a full novel, maybe, because I think there was a lot um, they could have done with these characters. Um, But for the space that they had, I thought they did a really great job. And there's like no typos. It's very well written, very well researched in terms of like the era. The language was great. It wasn't like even even the dick sucking (laughs) was not gross. And this this woman got cummed on every which way everywhere. Um, And it wasn't gross to me. And this is a first.
1: That is a huge endorsement from you.
0: Yeah, because it was kinky, but it was every second was loving. And it wasn't like, this bitch got covered in spunk. It was just like, (laughs) the fluids were on her and she loved it. And then she went on to, you know, go down on this other monster with the fluids. And I was like, okay, you know what? That's all right. No spunk queens here. <laughs> no cum dumpsters here. It was just consensual and great. Now, worth mentioning, all of the monsters had mandibles um, and, like, spinities coming out of, their, out of their skin. They were like insects, basically. They were like big monster oh. bugs that were made of glass, and they were, like, razor sharp everywhere. Um, and have really sharp teeth, but it's described that like even though they're really sharp and scary, they're like mirror, like they're mirror creatures, right? Because she is like on the other side of the mirror, and she goes into the mirror, um, because it's like Alice in the Looking Glass kind of thing, right? But it they don't feel sharp and cold and awful. So with that in mind, um, the sex toy I would recommend is just glass dildo
1: because that gets used
0: or if you have magic a shadow dildo because that was something the aromantic monster used with their power was creating glass and shadow dildos and vibrators in the regency era which i think is very innovative yes like if, if i had to fuck this lord versus these really scary monsters who can conjure vibrators i'm going with the monsters yeah. Every time.
1: hundred yeah. percent. Absolutely. So now I'm wondering, since it was yeah. a short book and there was a lot yeah. going on, what are you reading?
0: I'm going to read the prologue, baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just a sex thing. You ready?
1: <laughs> oh, yes.
0: Here we go. Magpie's callous thumb retracted its obsidian claw and pressed against Alice's mouth. Without hesitation, she parted her lips and sucked. Silky curls fell around her in a luminous curtain that blocked out the full moon as another creature, the one hovering above her, leaned down. Their smile was like a knife in the dark, sharp and wicked, teeth glinting like slivers of glass. Very good, my queen uh, silver's voice was a velvet purr. Alice let her eyes drift close as she clawed fingertips. Not silver or magpie, capri, glashton drew close patterns over her thighs that threatened to break the skin and draw beads of crimson. Soft, full lips and a blade-sharp points of mandibles pressed hot to her lower belly in a kiss that held the prick of dozens of needle-like fangs and a phantom threat of spilled blood. Magpie pulled her thumb away, her long finger flexed their claws, the sharp ebony trailing over Alice's throat, her jumping pulse, a lower, to cup her breast. Magpie's damp thumb brushed over a nipple and Alice bit back a sound. You've been so patient with us, little bird, letting us have this. So patient, another voice breathless in her ear, and Glaston, her giant of a monster who usually towered over her, curved her spiny body around her with exquisite care and cupped her cheek, turning her head to kiss her. Alice moaned as ear tongue delved into her mouth and the points of her teeth and tusks dug into her lip. She pressed up, wanting them wanting the pliant glassy smoothness of ear mouth on hers and the bite of those razor glass teeth in her bottom lip while magpie's mouth closed hot and hungry over her nipple and Capri, the smallest of the monsters, spread her thighs and licked a slow line from her quim to her clit with zeer long tongue. She gasped into Glaston's kiss, then moaned as Silver murmured, a queen to us, but not here, not now. Now she just wants us to get her off until she can't remember our names or her own. Isn't that right, majesty? The four monsters didn't give her a chance to answer. The tongue between her legs licked and stroked over her clit and magpie bit down on her nipple, breaking the skin just enough to bring blood like rubies to the surface and send a streak of pleasure pain straight to her quinn. Glaston's strong hand curled around her throat, all four claws pressing against the vein there, and she was suddenly close to spending, so close, frantic pulses surging hotter and hotter. That was the prologue. It's like, then she wakes up! Damn! Sounds really violent, but they love her, and she loves them.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot to,
0: like, jump right in. But you know what? I think I told you earlier, it had, like, a two-page trigger warning list, so I was ready. Okay. I was ready.
1: Damn. Damn. Well.
0: What you reading, bud?
1: Nothing that intense. Um. Quite chaste, okay. in fact. <laughs> so... I am going to read you the part where Lady Helen, who, again, is, like, shrill and obnoxious and overbearing and everyone just fucking rolls her eyes when she comes around because they all hate her so much. And Diana is trying to push her to end up with the Marquis so she can win her bet. And then she hears through the grapevine that... There's something going on with the maid. So when she discovers, so she's confronting Lady Helen and Lady Helen says, yeah, I'm in love with my maid. I don't, I'm not interested in men. I've never been interested in men. And so young, naive, so, so naive. I mean, think of how straight people, how naive straight people are in 2022. Now picture 18, 17. <laughs> <laughs> like, people straight up couldn't put shit together. It's like all those history books where they're like, they were the best of friends. And you're like, mm, they fucked. So, Diana doesn't understand why Lady Helen would want to marry the Marquis when she very clearly does not like men. So, <clears throat> Diana said, What are you about then, flinging yourself after Mr. Willingham if you have no interest in marrying? Lady Helen's smile widened. It's all part of my plan, you see. Merely the latest chapter in what has been a lengthy, years-long strategy. Diana was beginning to get the sense that she was in the presence of a mind far more devious than her own, and the feeling was both simultaneously alarming and intriguing. Oh, do explain. Lady Helen sobbed herself back upon the bench. If a lady does not wish to wed, she explained, and she is a fair face and from a respectable, moneyed background, she is confronted with a bit of a challenge. However, she has several options open to her. The most obvious option is to ruin herself. This itself is a bit risky. There is every chance her parents will force her into matrimony with the man she selects for her ruination. so if a lady chooses this path, she must also do so knowing that if her parents sufficiently well, she must know her parents sufficiently well to feel confident that they won't force her hand to marry said man. For many ladies, however, this option is too risky. Another possibility is to transform oneself into a blue stocking, spectacles, ink-stained fingers, dull pedantries at every social event she attends. This often does the trick, but this too has its attendant risk. What if her parents decide to find her a dull, sort of younger son, a vicar, or a scholar, someone who finds her academic nature appealing? One could find oneself shift off to a vicarage in Shropshire before one even realizes what is happening. So again, too risky. Naturally, I considered both of these choices as I was approaching my own coming out," Lady Ellen added. I had known for some years that I was not attracted to men, but for a while I assumed I would merely make a go of it, marry some aristocratic gentleman I did not love, and hope that he took up with a mistress in short order. My mother hired Sutton for me when I was 16, however and well. Once we came to an understanding, I knew that there was no possibility of my marrying. Even if we could manage to conceal our feelings from my husband, even if we could carry on under his nose with him none the wiser, the thought of living such a lie for the rest of my life was too appalling to be bearable. It was then that I began to plot how to evade this trap. And what did you land on, then? Diana asked, fascinated despite herself. Lady Helen's plight rather cast her own woes in her debut season, In the Shade. A more cunning line of deception, Lady Helen said, with some degree of self-satisfaction. Probably entirely earned, Diana thought. I would play society's game and... Oh, my e-reader froze. (laughs) One second. Oh no. Okay, there we go. I would play society's game, give them every appearance of a lady desperate for marriage. I am an observant person, Lady Templeton. I have watched ladies and gentlemen perform the courting ritual, and I've noticed the ladies who are too desperate, who make themselves unattractive in their wanting her voice took on a slightly bitter edge, because of course, they have been told their entire lives that matrimony to the most eligible gentleman possible is their entire raison d'etre, and yet, if they want it too badly, if they get the slightest bit desperate to achieve this thing when they have been told is the only thing they should ever desire, well, how pathetic. Diana's mouth actually was agape at this point. This entire conversation gave her the feeling of being in the company of a creature one had assumed was a rather unintelligent lapdog who turned out in fact to be a wolf. It wasn't too difficult to turn myself into the sort of lady that no gentleman actually wants to marry. One who laughs too shrilly, who clutches a gentleman's arm too tightly, who praises him too lavishly, and for the record, you've no idea how excessive one's praises of a titled gentleman must be before he finally thinks you've taken it too far. (laughs) she allowed herself an eye roll it was a delicate endeavor I couldn't be too obvious about it or my mother and brother would have realized what I was doing I had to give the impression of a lady being slowly worn down by the marriage mart of becoming a lady so desperate to wed that she no longer even resembled her former self she paused for a moment her gaze fixed on her lap I am fond of my brother and my only regret regarding this deception is that I am certain it has altered his opinion of me If I could but trust him to never force me to wed, I would let him in on my secret. But I fear my mother's influence would wear him down eventually, even if he were sympathetic to my plight. So, Willingham was all part of this scheme? Diana asked, feeling a guilty twinge at the role she had played in this entire saga of pushing them to be together. It was too good an opportunity to pass up, Lady Helen explained. I thought if I flung myself at a Marquess of all people and were rebuffed, gossip might start to spread. I'm getting older, but I'm not on the shelf yet, and I thought that whispers about my conduct here might hurry me down that path. It was all the easier when you began conspiring to trap me alone with him, for reasons I'm still not entirely certain I understand. Oh, Willingham and I made a wager about him being married within a year, Diana said, feeling a bit sheepish. Lady Helen frowned. But surely you wouldn't have thought Lord Willingham would want to marry a lady like me, or rather, the Lady Helen Courtney he thinks he knows. No, Diana admitted, but I was hopeful that if I flung him together with you enough, it would make him reconsider some of the other ladies of his acquaintance. It might make them appear more appealing to prospects by comparison. So you were essentially using me to scare him into matrimony? Lady Helen asked, arching a brow. Diana was beginning to feel rather ashamed of herself. Well, yes, I suppose that is the most succinct way to put it. Lady Helen burst out laughing, a real laugh, happy and unguarded, a far cry from the shrill giggles Diana had previously heard her remit. It had a transformative effect, her entire face softened, the cool, haughty look that she usually wore having completely vanished. I really should thank you, she said after a moment, still giggling. If ever I needed confirmation that my efforts were working, you have just given it to me. Not only have I made myself an unappealing matrimonial prospect, I have in fact become so dreadful that the mere specter of marriage to me can be used to scare gentlemen into marrying others. Well, when you put it like that, I feel rather ashamed of myself, Diana confessed. I should offer you an apology. Lady Helen waved a hand dismissively. Don't bother with that. What I'd like to know, however, is why is it that you're trying to get Lord Willingham married to someone else when it's obvious that you're in love with him? Whoa. And then calls her out on that. And then she's like, no, I don't. And she's like, yes, you do, bitch. I know this. And then she's like, I do. But I just like loved how this character. And again, Jane Austen books always have that character of like, just like the real desperate woman who's like trying to fucking, you know, it's cuffing season and I'm trying to lock down a man and just like desperate and whatever. And I love that they had that character with this like incredible spin where one, she's actually queer and like playing the long game. But two, like, has the perspective, like, understood, oh, you have to want this with all of your heart, but you can't look like you're trying too hard. So this is perfect. I'll just look like I'm trying too hard. Eventually, people will be like, well, I guess she never found anyone. And they'll just let her live on her estate with her maid, and she'll just have a grand old time. And I just thought, one, women are brilliant. Two, women are resourceful. And three, queer women, most of all, have been finding ways all
0: throughout history to make it work love it right I love this fun little twist to your book it was it was good and then it was better right because yeah that's fun
1: yeah I just thought exactly it was fun like I just thought what a fun little twist to include that I didn't expect but that still plays off of these tropes that we see so often in these books so it's like still very on brand for Regency but just that little feminist Tika you know I'm Tika to add to it yeah, a little je like quoi that. if you will yeah i do too so i would really recommend martha waters um and she has another book called like to have and to hoax and then to marry and to metal and they're all just these sort of like cheeky rom-coms with this feminist message but it's not like shoved down your throat it's just like these interesting like huh that's really clever so, oh, I love that. Yeah, thanks. I'm really glad with what we chose this week. But I was told a little cuckoo, cuckoo in a tree told me that you have your eyes set on a particular theme for next week. And I am very excited. So, what are we reading next? Julie, we're doing bosses. Ooh, boss bitch, boss bitch, real boss, boss baby, any kind of boss.
0: Oh, if you can find a romance about Boss Baby, I would say lean into that. Um, as a mom who's had to watch the entire Boss Baby franchise and all the movies associated with it, starring Alec Baldwin, I'm in a pass because I know too much. I'm too invested in that canon. But power to you, friend. I guarantee there's some Boss Baby fanfic out there with your name on it.
1: 100%. Um,
0: and if you haven't watched Boss Baby, I mean, you don't have to. You're not missing anything at all you can watch literally any other thing with alec baldwin in it it would be the same thing
1: also alec baldwin baldwin is the paint trick wow i can't speak alec baldwin is the patron patron saint of incels and men's rights activists so fuck him honestly fuck that guy
0: i mean yeah
1: it's do you remember that whole saga though in the 90s
0: no Really? I was too busy. I was too busy watching Beetlejuice. I don't know what to tell you.
1: <laughs> oh, the TLDR is Alec Baldwin had a very famous, incredibly acrimonious divorce with Kim Basinger, where he like very overtly used his child as a like pawn. And there was a very famous voicemail leakage. This was back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where he called his daughter like a little fucking pig and all this shit. Yeah. Um, and then he wrote a book about like father's rights and how men oh. don't win in custody agreements, and the courts are against men, and da 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 da. Yeah, was he that? was like his daughter. Didn't his daughter marry Justin Bieber? No, that's another Baldwin. <laughs> that's the is ugly it? shit Baldwin. Um, I don't remember his name. I can see his face, but oh. it was not Alec Baldwin. No.
0: Well, you know what? But but like, is she his niece? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's his niece, 100%. Oh, they're the same. Okay, so listen, as an honorary Canadian now, I have to protect her. Oh, yeah, 100%. So Alec Baldwin, if he can't go back in time and, and change his ways, like, sorry, I'm not into it. But I love Beetlejuice.
1: That's fair. That is absolutely fair. I just choose to ignore that he was in it, which is, you know, my own right. Um, I mean, you
0: watch it for Gina Davis.
1: A hundred right? And Winona, like, why else would you watch it? Winona, them? Gina, and yeah, I'll throw in a little, you know, um, Michael Keaton. Yeah, but, yeah. But fundamentally, it's my girl, Gina Davis, 100%. Um, but yes, Alec Baldwin sucks. Boss Baby, I don't even want to look up Boss Baby fan fiction. I would hope that it would be about his parents, but Lord knows. But Bosses is our theme next week. Is our theme next week. (laughs) I'm very excited because I have nothing in mind. So I'm going to do a real deep dive and find a gem for you. But um, thank you for choosing Regency for this week. I enjoyed my read. And as always, I
0: enjoyed our weekly chats. This is always my greatest pleasure. Um, I don't have anything to add this week about pronunciation. So (laughs) do you want to just... Us out 100%. Ravage
1: Love. Ravage Love! Bye.
0: Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F U S. H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at Ravage Love on Instagram and Twitter, or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com.